Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk and it is the first of our two Royal Ascot specials straight back into the season. It seems a bit mad that we've gone from two weeks ago absolutely nothing to preview in Royal Ascot already. This episode we're going to be focusing on the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. My name is Lewis Tomlinson and as per usual I am joined by the big man James Watson. James you've got an update on the uh, the cat fighting situation. Yeah, um, hello first of all and second of all a couple of weeks ago I talked about socks uh Sergio Aguero my cat going outside and he got attacked and he's been attacked again in the recent days he's he's had a vet's bill that's been a bit tosty uh and yeah the, it, it's still on the loose and he's been attacking other people's cats so anyone in the Jericho area of Bury be careful turf talk turning into crime watch here <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for an horrible cat roaming the streets of Bury Keep your eyes peeled for an horrible man roaming the streets of Bury with a 20-to-1 love docket stapled to his jacket as well. Uh, Royal Ascot <laughs> kicks up on Tuesday, though. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the, I guess, the, the group races and the feature races in depth first, and then we'll have a little bit of a, a talk about our picks for each of the handicap. And normally kicking off Royal Ascot, not quite doing so this year, but the first group one of the meeting is the Queen Anne on Tuesday over a mile. Uh, I don't know which bookies odds I've got up here, if I'm on it. I'm, I'm just on a nap at the races app. But the same, Circus Maximus is 9-4, to 9-2 Terrabellum, 8's Fox Chairman, 11's Duke of Hazard, 12's Mustache Ray, 14's Malhaffa, Roseman and Scardu, 18 Space Traveller and 20-1. to 1. Bar them, Jim, we've kind of... Had a little bit of fun laughing at all the milers over the past two seasons. On on form, best form, Circus Maxima should win this and is the right favourite. However, it's the sort of race where the nature of it means I want to take him on. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I fully respect him. He's the two-time grade one winner. Won the St. James's Palace last year and the Prix de Moulin. Uh, I always was of the opinion that he won't Slightly further, mile and four, mile and two would be more up, more up his street uh, as a two-year-old. Exactly. Um, and he's obviously got an obvious chance. However, he is there to be to be shot at. Uh, there's a lot of horses in this who are having their first try at this. Um, and I, I, I do think this is quite an interesting race. Although we are quick to crab uh, the field and what's in it, um, I think that this is a fascinating, fascinating race. Uh, I'll start off with Terra Bellum, who is a horse I'm a big fan of. Uh, this is a massive question mark, though, going back to a mile. Um, she's only ever run over a mile and two. Um, she won the Dahlia Stakes, uh, as tipped up strongly by me 10 days ago. Uh, she won that very impressively. She showed a lot of speed that day. Uh, it's, it's not full gone of promise that a, a, a mile will be more her cup of tea. She's never tried it. Um, on breeding, it certainly doesn't shout at me saying she wants wants to step back to a mile. Um, however, she's a horse I like a lot. Uh, I, and if Frankie can get somewhat near the front and sort of dictate the pace on her, because I do think she's got the gears for a mile. Um, and, and if he could dictate on her from the front, maybe... Uh, put a couple under pressure early on, it could be dangerous. 
Are you interested to see a downing trip? She's never run over a mile before. Yeah, I I think it's a weird move. Uh, it wasn't what I was thinking of straight away. And also the question mark going against uh, the Colts and Geldings in this. I, I'd have probably kept her more to her own uh, sex at this moment in time. I, I still think she's got to prove herself in the Mares and Phillies division rather than uh, stepping up into the proper big boy league. Yeah, that's... I'm similar to you, mate. I'm surprised to see her here. When when I said on the on our Guinea's review pod that I kind of felt, you know, in fact, Gosden had done well to not have won a group one with her this season. But in my head, I was thinking races like the Nassau, yeah, and the Pre de l'Opera, you know. So it's it's interesting she's back here, mate. We'll we'll go back to Circus Maximus, Jim, the favourite. How would you try and beat him? Um. I'd try and make it a test of speed. Uh, as, as I've mentioned early on, I always thought he was uh, a stronger stayer. I always had him in the derby category. Um, try and go a slow tempo and try and, and quicken up. The ground at the moment's good, good to soft in places. I think the the worse the ground, the better it'll be for him. Not saying that he's got good form. He's got good form on good ground and firm ground. But I feel like he always likes to dip his toe a bit. That, that Chester... Uh, win at uh, was it the D sticks that yeah. always sticks in the back of my mind as him being a bit of a mud lover uh, and I don't think I think he acts on all surface but he likes to point his toe yeah I'd I'd take I'd take that on board as well mate Fox Chairman Jim third in the market here only four starts not seen out since winning enlisted company over ten furlongs where he beat our mate Pondus last season. Again, he's another one that wouldn't have struck out to me third fav for a Queen Anne. But I guess I guess with Fox Chairman, he's the one that you look at and you think we might not have reached his ceiling yet. Yeah, he's, he's fascinating, isn't he? Um, he was third behind Circus Maximus in the D-Sticks, um, which I thought was a good run. He then went on to be second uh, in the Hampton Court behind Sangaria. So he... he He'd run well at the track previously, over two furlong further, and he and he won well in that listed race at Newbury. I, I think he's fascinating in this. Uh, he was progressive last season. We didn't see him as a two-year-old. Uh, it certainly makes him interesting for this. Um, he's stable. Are absolutely flying. We've seen in recent weeks that uh, Andrew Baldin's hit the ground running, and yeah, he, he has a chance. But I think there's other in others in this that are more interesting than him. I was about to say that because out of uh, out of him and a couple of the other four-year-olds, I'm surprised he's shorter than the likes of Duke of Hazard, you know, who arrives here after completing a hat-trick back end of last season, including uh, a group three and a group two back-to-back at Goodwood. I think he's a fairer price than Fox Chairman. I also think Mohaffa is a fairer price as well, won the Greenham and ran well on his first start for almost six months when fifth in the QE2. What do you make of both of them? Yeah, uh, they're on my shortlist. I've got three four-year-olds on my shortlist, and Duke of Hazard, Mohatha and Turgeman. Um, Duke of Hazard was fifth in the French derby and fifth in the jersey, uh, and then kicked on winning the listed group three, group twos afterwards. Uh, I think the better the ground, uh, the better his run will be in this. Not saying that he doesn't run well on that. I just feel... uh, feel like he'd have more of a chance on better ground 
the blinkers obviously worked uh, well last season. They're kept on. I think he's really, really interesting. The vibes from the Paul and Oliver Cole camp uh, have been really positive and I think he's underestimated in this slightly because of his trainers. They're not as they're not your your big boy names. Maybe they were, Paul Cole was certainly one well before my time, but uh, he he used to be a really good trainer, so I've heard from a long time ago. So I think he's slightly underestimated in this. Uh, Mahatha progressed with racing as a two-year-old. He won the Greenham impressively, then got injured, and he got him back uh, late season in his three-year-old career, and he was fifth in the QE2. So that was an acceptable run off the break. The cutting cutting ground, I've heard mixed opinions. People think he wants good ground. People think he wants soft ground. I, I think he wants a bit of cut. Uh, and I think he's a solid each way chance in this. Um, he, he's, he still could progress more. Uh, we've, we've only seen him out five times and he's won three of them. Um, I think he's certainly got potential. Marcus Trigonin had another winner today. He's stable and going very, very well at the minute. Uh, and Turgeman, who I touched on, upon, he ran well behind the uh, Duke of Hazard at Glorious Goodwood. Um, he's very lightly raced. He's always had this big frame for Roger Varian. Um, he's pro- progressed through Maiden's novices, and he was, uh, and he was sort of blown away. He was never really in the race at, at Goodwood. I think he'll have learnt from that. He's a, he's a big framed of a horse. If he's just grown into him himself a bit more, I think he, he'll be better this season and he, he could be contesting at this level. I like that, Jim, because your shortlist contains two of my three. Christ, that never happens really, does it? It doesn't. And I'm going for all three Sheikh Hamdan horses. Hamdan has the key. I like Mahaffa. I like Turgeman. I also like Duke of Hazard, but I, I, I don't think there really should be the disparity in price between him and Turgeman. Yeah. So that's, that's why I've kind of yeah. gone for Turgeman. They were, there was very little between them at Glorious Goodwood last year, with arguably Turgeman just having hit the front a little bit too soon. You know, uh, he'd, it was almost as if Turgeman had beat off everything around him and Duke of Hazard just kind of slightly caught them unawares with his late, his late finish. I think Mustachery's overpriced. Yeah. And I know we ran a bit of a stinker in this last season. But of of those who have kind of been around a bit, he held his form really well last season. Undoubtedly the best year of his career in winning the Lockinge. And he went and beat Lamato in the challenge stakes back end of the season. Wasn't too bad in the Eclipse, finished fifth there. You know, arguably his worst one of the year was here in the Queen Anne. I don't really buy that as being, you know, any problem with Ascot. He won over here in a handicap uh, as a three-year-old. I know, I know that doesn't really hold much relevance, but I, so I don't, I don't, I don't buy that as him not performing at Ascot. I just think that, you know, these miles are a very, very tightly grouped bunch, and that was just Mustachery on a bit of an off day, and on an off day, it's you know, running three pounds below your best with such a tight-knit group can be the difference below finishing first and finishing seventh. You know, and and, and that's why I just I just kind of think uh, think at 12 to 1, I know he's seven, I know he's gelded, and I know, you know, he was get, he got beat in a group three last season. But in terms of having held his form well and having, 
being pretty solid in this level. I do think Mustache is overpriced for a horse who won a Group One last season, and he's coming off the back of a win at Group Two level at twelve to one. Yeah, I do think twelve to one is a generous price. Uh, the fact that Jim Crowley's gone for more half there for me sort of pushes me more his way. Um, of course, Crowley will have had the decision on which one to ride. Uh, and that's probably what's edged me more to Mahatha rather. Mustachri, as you've said, uh, he's the oldest in this field and looks very, very vulnerable. However, um, he is probably the standard setter in this. I think Circus Maximus is the standard setter. I think if everyone runs to form, Circus Maximus wins. Yeah. But um, being, being we've this... seen him though, haven't we? He, he is beatable. Oh, of course he's beatable. And, and, and it's a sort of level here that Circus Maximus runs to his best, he wins this. Circus Maximus runs to five below his best, he could finish seventh. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, 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 there's not loads in hand. He's, you know, he's, he's not won a group, a group one by further than the neck. You know, even though he's a dual group one winner. You know, he, 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 even in both his victories, he weren't particularly clear-cut. I know some people don't think he shouldn't have uh, have kept the mule on last season against Romanized. So, I'd summarise myself by saying Circus Maximus is the likeliest winner. Do I think he's a better 9-4? to four? No. And I'd be looking for each way value against the Fav, starting with Mustachre, Mahaffa and Turgeman. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'm, I'm as much as I love Terra Bellum, I, I'm, I'm pretty much against her in there. I don't like the idea of her dropping back to a mile. Uh, Circus Maximus far too short in my opinion. Uh, my two, I, I'll probably go Mahatha. Um, I think Mahatha's a solid bet at fourteen to one. Um, I'm, I'm expecting Turgeman and Duke of Hazard to be somewhere behind. Um, but I think that the one out of my selections who have got the most chance of winning is probably Mahatha. You can see the drift, though. To be fair, mate, you can see the drift on Circus Maximus. Because I yeah. think everyone's everyone's going to assess this race the same way we are. Yeah, for sure. And he might end up being a backable price. But at 9-4, to four, I don't consider it. But I do think it's a sort of race where no one's going to want to be with the Fav because there are horses who aren't miles behind him at 20s. Yeah. And therefore, he could end up being a price on the day. But not for me at this stage. I do think he's the one to beat, though. The second group one on the Tuesday at Royal Ascot is the King's Stand. And they bet Batash 6-4 to four on, 9-2, to two, your mate, Glass Slippers, 10's Liberty Beach, 14's Equilateral, and 28-1 to one bar them. You know what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say. It's going to be Batash versus Glass Slippers between me and you, isn't it? Um, well, I'll let you talk about Batash first because I've not wrote anything about it because I, I, as, I, I, like, I want Batash to win this because I do think it is a very, very weak race for a Group 1, if I'm being honest. This is a, this is a poor turnout of the Kingston this year. Um, however, I think Batash should win this and I'll let you fire away with it first. Well, I'm not going to say anything new, really. You know, and, and anyone who listens to this knows what Batash is, and, and on his on his day, he's the fastest sprinter in the world. The problem being, it's not always his day. But I don't think he has to particularly run to form here. That being said, when does Batash run to? 
you know, slightly below form. Does he ever? Mm. It's always he's brilliant or he's shite. Yeah. Which, which is where you'd be taking taking it on, but at his best, surely he's got £10 on most of these. And I'd, well, this, this to me is the epitome of a watch and enjoy race. I hope he wins. I hope he gets the Ascot monkey off his back because I don't believe it's a thing. He ran a fine race when second to Blue Point last season. So, you know, the fact that he's apparently underperformed at Ascot, you know, is no issue for me whatsoever. Uh, I don't expect him to replicate the sort of performance that saw him hack up at Goodwood or at York. Ascot doesn't suit him as well as those two tracks. But I do expect him to just go and win because he's the best horse in this race. Yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, I'll probably, if if you want to play some win by two length or something like that, they're offering 13 to 8, 9 to 4 around them prices for that. That may be something that might interest you. Um, I think the Phillies hold the key for the places in behind. Uh, Glass Slippers is a big filly. Was, I was impressed when she won the Abbey. Although I backed her, she took me by surprise, really. Um, the very soft ground seemed to be in her favour. Uh, although um, Batash sets the standard here and she was behind him previously in the season, she still needs to improve again. Um, even if Batash won seven pound below his uh, below his standard, glass slippers needs to improve another five pounds after that. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure that uh, that will suit. I also think the Abbey is a funny race. Um, because handicappers could win the Abbey in the nicest possible way. Uh, move, moving time, move on time, moving time. That one yeah. of Paul Midley's won the Abbey. Just going back off top of my head. Other years, other years you have exceptions, but um, and I always take the Abbey with a bit of a pinch of salt. Really, um, it's sort of just if you're quick, you're quick, aren't you? Um, Liberty Beach for John Quinn, two-time listed winner, a Group 3 winner. She was second and fourth in a Group 2. Um, she won over seven furlongs at Haydock the other week. She was keen as well. Um, and she still got a head in front over the six furlongs. I think the drop back to five will certainly suit her a lot more. Uh, the question mark on whether she'll bounce back after that performance, that was only, I think it was last weekend, um, she still needs to improve upon that, um, but she's not without a doubt uh, for, the, for the place money. Uh, she's in her off eight stone nine. She's carrying nothing. She's a likable filly, and you can see her picking up races throughout the seasons in Group Three company. And a horse that I fancied a couple of weeks ago, a big old prize in this Shades of Blue. Uh, she's been, she was consistent prior to her last two runs. Uh, she won a listed race at Maison Lafitte, and, but she were 11th in the Abbey. I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. She was slow away and never really in it. Um, she was slow away again last time out of Newmarket, which is a big question mark, of course. Um, the one time, she she won on debut at Ascot, and she was third in the Queen Mary, so she got decent, decent form at the track. I think she could outrun her odds at 33s at this moment in time. Yeah, that's fair, mate. I guess that'd be the only other really way you could play this race would be to look for something each way. I don't see it particularly appealing too much, to be fair. If I were to play each way, it'd be equilateral. But I'm always slightly wary of horses coming straight back from Maidan, first time up, you know. 
his best form last season would see him not miles away, second to Mabs crossing the Palace house. That form would put him there at 14. He'd be the each way for me. Donny should have just told everyone in that listed race today, don't bother with cancelling it. Just go to go to the yeah. King's stand, make Royal Ascot better. El Astronaut had been so much fun in this. Everyone loves it. He's such a... I absolutely... Anyone has fun enjoying El Astronaut here, get out of the stores and he goes. He's, he's so, so likeable in here. Brought a smile to my face this morning, which doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't, but we we, we love him. And he'd have been a fun horse to have had in here. Uh, are you going to say words that I didn't think I'd ever hear you say on this podcast, then, Jim? Batash wins. Batash wins. <laughs> which means this could be a curse, you know, because um, this is like the first time I think I've ever fancied Batash to, win a, to properly win a race. I'm, he's not a backable price, and I probably won't play out in the race. I could jinx Patash. So if he if he wins, right? If he loses, sorry, it's all my fault. Ha. As per me, I'm going to add my fourth hand damn horse in two races. <laughs> and go for Batash. Shake Hamdams. Barmy Army. As we move on to the group twos then on the Tuesday, and the first of these is the Ribblesdale. It's normally well, it's normally kind of the race for horses who who are all right in the Oaks but aren't quite good enough to win the Oaks. This year it's an Oaks trial and frankly, darling, winner at Newcastle on the first day of the season last mo- uh, two weeks ago. Sounds weird saying that. Uh, is the Fav 7-4. 5-1 foil 13-2 Miss Yoda. 7's our, our horse born with pride and passion. 12-1. Bar them. Jimmy with the Favio? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a certainty. Uh, can I first of all, before... I want to get this out of the way first. Why is Miss Yoda third favourite for this race? Um, I think she's an absolutely ridiculous, but I want double figures about her. 16s, 14s. That that Lingfield Oaks trial was poor. She beat Golden Lips, um, who's rated okay, but she, that was nothing special. Uh, I think she's a ridiculous, but I think... Uh, with certain bookmakers, Trafoil's a bigger price than Miss Yoda. Born with Pride's a bigger price. I'd put a line through Miss Yoda. Yoda. Is Miss Yoda's two-year-old form not better? Um, nah. That second in the Zetland was poor. You're a, was it? Max Vega's not that good. Berkshire Rocco, um, uh, nah. Ran, ran well behind that. I know Mythical, Mythical flopped slightly. I, I I don't know, mate. I think you're being you're being fairly harsh there. Vulcan stars ran well since, you know. Don't I get me wrong. I think she's a she's a very nice horse, but I don't think she should be that short in the betting for a group two after that performance. No, I understand that. But is she short? She's thirteen to two. She's already a listed winner. Trafoil was third in a listed race. You know, you've got frankly dialing back in at seven to four. I understand. I understand where you'd be coming from if she was, you know, an even money fav, which you could say, well, it wasn't a good listed race. But she held a format too, and she's come back and, she, and she's won her first start. I think you're being very harsh there, and I think you listened to Rory Delaghi on the final furlong podcast this morning and just copying exactly what he said. Why did he say that as well? Yeah. <laughs> There's only one podcast I listen to, and it's our own. <laughs> but 
I, I, I disagree. I disagree with you both that Miss Yoda's too short a price. Yeah. Did Rory Delaghi actually say the same as me? Yeah, yeah. Christ, me and him. I, I, I'm aspiring to be as good as him. I, I, I don't think you can slate her form. I, I think you can say her third's weaker than Trafoil's third in the Pretty Polys. Hmm. But it's, it's not. A, you know, it's it, it was a crap race, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I think you're being harsh there. Yeah, fair, fair point. Who, who are you angling towards in the Ribblesdale then, mate? It's, it's, it's a race that I'm, I'm kind of struggling to get a little bit of a grasp on. I'm, I'm willing to go out on a limb with Bournemouth Pride once more. Um, that debut form at Newmarket good in that listed race. Turns out she's beat the 1,000 Guineas winner uh, and the Pretty Polly winner. She was disappointed on her return on the all-weather. We know that, that you can put a line through that because Asaya never has anything that runs well at Kempton on the all-weather. Um, I, I think I'm willing to give her another, another chance on that debut performance. I do think there's rain forecast for the next two days at Ascot. And I think that will be massively in a favour on the day, and there'll be a serious price collapse on her. Uh, because if it's if it's soft or good to soft or at any stage, I think that that will certainly suit her. I think she's a decent each way price, in my opinion, at six to one. It's not a race I particularly like, if I'm honest, mate. This year, no, it's it's like frankly, darling, yes. She was second to Caballetto on debut and then won that maiden at Newcastle impressively. But she still needs to step up again to win this. Um, she's as short as eights for the Oaks. I, I respect her and I think she's a very nice rankle filly. However, I, I feel like seven to four slightly too short. She was, It was impressive to the eye, but I, I didn't read the sectionals or the times or anything about her um, at Newcastle. However, I just feel like this is a big step up and maybe she might walk it and, and surely step up. However, I'm not exactly sure of this moment. I want to see her p- perform at Group 2 level first before I then say anything about her. I kind of came into this race wanting to get away from Frankly Darling. But looking at it, I do kind of think she's a likely winner, even though she's short, too short a price again. I understand where you're coming from in Bournemouth Pride, and she's better than she showed at Kempton. <laughs> Worries me slightly that William Haggis is already talking about the ledger for her. Yeah. You don't uh, want. I'm sorry. You don't want a trainer to be talking about a horse as a Saint Ledger type two weeks into the season, because what that means is you you know they're not good enough for proper middle distance company. Yeah. That is that is a slight worry. Uh, Trifoil, on the other hand, um, it was a funny race to Pretty Polly, wasn't it? Um, maybe she did well in the end. I thought she she stayed on strongly. Um, she's she's uh, stepping up another furlong in this, which I don't think will, will bother. Becky's horses are running well at the minute, uh, and you you won't rule her out. Um, I think her form is better than. Um, Miss Yorders. Um, and 
I don't know. I, I'd probably be looking to take on Frankly Darling with Shafal and Bourne with pride. That's fair, mate. Again, this this is a race that I don't like from a betting point of view. Uh, I, I, I think Frankly Darling's the likeliest winner. And there's nothing that particularly appeals to me to be able to get a beat. But I'd, I'd side with her. But again, to me, this would be a proper watch race and see what we can take going forward to the Oaks. I hope Bournemouth Pride runs well, because she is better than she showed at Kempton. Not a single thing went to plan for her that day. Uh, but again, I, I, I wouldn't like to be backing a horse off a run that bad, even though there are excuses for it. I'd, you know, it, it was just it just showed absolutely nothing. Looked slow. Uh so it's frankly darling for me, but an unenthusiastic frankly darling. <laughs> uh, I'm more enthusiastic about the King Edward though, the Colts version of the same race. Uh, like a mogul is six to five on five to six. I think he's just, I think he's practically uh, odds on everywhere now. Nine to two Mohican Heights, eleven to two Arthur's Kingdom, nine to one Papa Power, then twenties Pile Driver, thirty three Sound of Cannons. Jim, the bet for this is mogul to win the Derby. Um, yeah, that that would be logical. There's nothing in this race that's going to beat him. Simple as. Um, he was Group Two winner at, at two, and he fourth in the Vertum. The Vertum Futurity, obviously, we've seen the winner come out and win the Guineas. Um, I liked his Group Two win. He showed a bit of grit. Didn't stop galloping. He didn't. He didn't look quick enough. Uh, he didn't have that turn of pace in the in the Vertum Futurity. Um, couldn't just kick on. Uh, he, could, he could have finished second in the Vertum, but he just stands and heels. They were locked after him on the way home, Donica. Uh, and he was on that far side at Newcastle. I have a thing against at Newcastle. It might just be myself personally. I think they like to come up the near side rail. I always see fast finishes up the near side. Um, I, I don't know whether there's anything to that. It might just be personal preference. But he was racing on the far side, out, out on the wing. Um he simply wins this. I, I think he's one of the bankers of the Royal Ascot Festival. Yeah, me too, you mate. Again, I don't think he's a betting proposition at a shade of odds on. Even though I think he wins, it's not a... Trying a new trip for the first time with another unbeaten Colt in there isn't the sort of odds on bet I like. Because we, we don't know. Like I said... The, there's a rival there in Mohican Heights who was a listed winner last time. Did it quite tidily. The form of that is is reasonable. Berlin Tango's already come out on the classic trial. He was third that day. So it's reasonable form, even though it's a level below what Mogul's done. And he's another one with scope for improvement. So like I like I described the other day as to why I felt why, you know, the Benedigger Honeysuckle scenario. I, I feel this is a similar similar type thing where the odds on Fav is the right Fav. The odds on Fav should win, but I don't want to back the odds on Fav because there is a horse who is also potentially very useful and is unbeaten. And therefore, I'd say my, my tactic to this race would be back Mogul for the derby. Because if he wins, which I think he will, he'll be a lot shorter. He's a sort of horse who, like, you know, like his brother Japan, who won this last year... Might take a might take a run to warm up as well. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mogul got beat in this and then went on to run another good race in the Derby. But 
but I think he wins this pretty tidily. Yeah. Um, oh, Mohican Heights for me, the only negative about him, he's got a very likeable profile. However, the Simcox stable haven't exactly been flying. They've only had 10 runners, and I know it's a small uh, pool, of, but they've had a 5-2, a 7-2, a 6-1, 11-2, and they've all run fairly disappointed. Um, his, his horses are just seeming to need that that run, and that's the only thing that's putting me off Mohican House. Arthur's Kingdom, um, I, I will probably be aware I'd be playing uh, if I was playing a forecast or something like that. Um, he was second in the Grand uh, Criterium de San Clou behind MK McFancy. Uh, MK Fancy nearly called him. Okay, um, <laughs> um, he's more than likely going to be finishing second in this. to this, in my opinion. Um, it's not original. Frankie de Tori's booked for him, and we saw what he did in the 2000 Guineas. I, it's like you've said, it's it's Morgul wins, but it's not a, a strong vacuum at five to six. Um, I, I just don't see anything else in this race good enough to beat him. No, it is. It's a derby trial as well this year, isn't it? And derby trials quite often take this sort of a this sort of shape where you can have one horse who connections would be looking at and thinking, right, we hope this fella could be 120 plus. And then a couple of the also runs are thinking, right, we've, we want this fella to be at least listed level. You know, they're, they're still these races are used to sort horses out, you know, sort pecking orders out. And the, these type of races are normally have normally been and gone by the time Royal Ascot's here. So they are going to take different shapes to it, similar, similarly with the Ribblesdale. But I do think the Favs for them both are likely are the likeliest winners. I can't find too much to go against them with. I'd be keener going against Mogul with Mohican Heights than I would be anything against Frankly Darling. But I still think Frankly Darling and Mogul win. Yeah, a double with Batash and Mogul may interest me. If if on the day someone decides to push it out to two to one, I think he's about one point eight eight at the minute in time. Um, if someone decides to push it out to two to one, maybe that might interest me a bit. If anyone's listening, <laughs> moving to the Duke of Cambridge States, mate, and this race actually does interest me. I I, I think this is quite a good Phillies group too. With Nazif heading the betting at 100 to 30, 7 to 2 Jubilo, so 5 to 1 Miss O'Connor, 6 is Lavender's Blue, 7 is Queen Power, 10 is Magic Lily and Wasmia, 18 to 1, bar then. Tidy race for the level this, Jim. We saw Nazif beat Billersden Brook in the Snowdrop Stakes last time. Uh, the right favourite? Yeah, I, I think so. She She's the possible superstar in this field. Um, she's won four of her five starts. As you've mentioned, the listed winner in the snowdrop beating Billsden Brook. She's progressed well. She's come off the pace that day. And not, not many have come off the pace at Kempton. Um, she could be very, very good. Um, she could route this field, or she could just find a level and be about uh, about this level. I, I'd, I'd take Billsden Brook as a, as a fair, stable standard to, to think you're a decent group two, possibly a group one filly. Um, Although it's a tough little race, it's it's full of depth. Um, Jubal also did a lot of improvement in a small amount of time last season for Michael Stout. Uh, two wins early on in her career, and then she were chucked in at, at the deep end in the coronation at Ascot behind Watch Me. Um, 
she just looked slightly inexperienced that day. Then third at Goodwood, didn't get there another race. She was stuck on the inside. Um, and then yeah, I'd put a line through her last performance at Sandown. She was leading, and I didn't think that properly suited. Um, I think if she's progressed as much as she did in a three-year-old career into a four-year-old career, she certainly got a strong chance. Um, Lavender's Blue was impressive on debut, then second on uh, second starting listed action. She's far too keen in the Oaks. I strongly fancied her to run a good race in that. Um, good win back over, uh, back over uh, a mile at Sandown. She beat a nice field that day. Um, I think that if she settles, she could be dangerous. She has to come through rivals. We, we saw um, in a win at Sandown that she just sighed through them. And she ran well in the Sun Chariot. She was held up once again. I've watched that race back today, and I, I didn't think that um, the race went as much as she'd like to. Um, Miss O'Connor's in this as well. She's likeable. It's a really, really exciting race. And you chuck uh, Queen Power, who finished second behind Terra Bellum in this, and and it's certainly an exciting prospect. There's about six or seven in this that have got a good chance. Yeah, it's the exact opposite to me of the King Edward and the Ribblesdale. But I'm looking, I'm, I'm kind of looking to get the Fav beat in the, well, not get the Fav beat, I, I think Mogul wins, but I think he's shot. And I kind of approach the Ribblesdale look, wanting to find an alternative to Frankly Darling and just deciding, nah, she's probably the best of these. In this, I can make cases that I like for about five of them. Yeah. Uh, and I think I probably would just about land on Lavender's Blue. Yeah. It was a horse I liked last season. We both kind of liked for the Oaks. Didn't just, whether it wasn't staying or whether just never, ever, never, ever going the yard. She was far too keen and she ended up a mile behind. I don't think she ran a race either that day, but just so many things didn't go to plan. Came back, won the Atlanta, and then, like you've said, ran quite well in defeating the Sun Chariot. She was ahead of I Can Fly and Lawrence and Hermosa. You know, it that's a good race. And the other one you've mentioned is Miss O'Connor, who the doubt would be the ground. All You know, she's five, only had four starts, won all four of them. Her last two wins were both on heavy, including last time out in the uh, pre-perfect song clue where she beat Plumatic, who goes in the Queen Anne earlier on the card. He's a useful horse in France. He's a group, he, he won a group two earlier that season where he beat Olmedo. Who, did Olmedo win the French Guineas? Oof, off the top of my head, I don't know. A yeah, couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, he he's, he's beat some good... Yeah, he did. Almeida won the French Guineas back in the day. So, you know, her form really stacks up. It's just she'll never have encountered ground this quick. She's a Roderick O'Connor filly as well. I don't know. I don't think there's too many good Roderick O'Connors about, but she's one. And again, if Jubilo returns to form, you'd think she'd be there. I'd, but I'd, I'd, I'd be less keen on her than I would be on the likes of Lavender's Blue. Well, I, th- I think I'd be more positive about Jubilo. So I think I were a massive fan of her last season. Um, she's probably where I'm going to end up in this, to be brutally honest. I think 72 is a decent price. Um, Queen Power was was ran well behind um, Terabella last time out. Um, I think she's getting better. Whether she's good enough to win this, I, I'm not entirely sure. 
Um, but I think I'm a third in the coronation last season, Jubilee. So I thought that was a good run. Let's say she hadn't had much. And then she she should have won really a good with that. I think if Ryan Moore was to have that race again, he probably would. Uh, I don't like slagging Ryan Moore off because I think he's the GOAT. Um, however, um, I think Jubilee so should be up to this. Michael Stout's horses as well, running running spectacularly well. Yeah, that that's a fair comment to make, pal. Again, Queen Pat was the sort of horse I'd be looking at in 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 a normal year of this race. Yeah. Well, maybe not even a normal year, but in, in another race without as much depth, I'd be looking at Queen Power and thinking, yeah, I'd be quite happy to side with her. I, I liked what she did, and she was, it was a sort of run that I kind of thought, right, I, I, I'm going to be interested wherever she is next time out. But I do think this is probably the deep, maybe not in terms of strength in depth, but in terms of depth of horses who definitely deserve to be at this level, this is the best race of the first day. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's I would have been proper group two fillies. I'd have been fascinated if they chucked Lavender's Blue I'd, more in the Queen Anne. I, I, I think there's a few of these that could have run in that and uh, run with credit. Yeah, I understand that. Where, where are you going to land with them, Paul? Jubiloso? Probably Jubiloso. I'll, I'll stick with I'll stick with her. Uh, I think I think she's still got a bit more progressing to do. And I'm putting a line through that last run. She did a lot of developing quickly. Uh, everything may have just come a bit too soon. Be three-year-old filly, and we hadn't seen it too. Hopefully, she can get a head in front here. But I fully respect Nazif. I think if there's anything that's going to be a superstar in this division, it could be Nazif. Yeah, that's a fair. Obviously, Nazif's form ties in as well with Galleon, who's one of the turf top 12 to follow for Thomas Pearson. Don't discount him whenever we see him out. I, I, I do love looking through old pedigrees now, Jim, as well, because because a lot of the horses running now are sired by horses who were around when we were running, which uh, not when we were running, but when we were first getting into racing, and we see progeny of mares that we were out that we saw running as well. It, it, it adds it adds a lot to the uh, to the enjoyment of flat racing it's probably the side of flat racing that interests me most and obviously circus maximus's damn duntle yeah won this race back in the day and that year beatrice aurora who is lavender's blues damn was fourth yeah. in the race to her yeah that's mental it, I, I do agree it's now i am a bit older and i've seen uh sires and dams come through now that you can see him running as well it's even better isn't it Oh, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's a part of the game that is becoming new to me because, you know, I am not old enough to remember Galileo or Pivotal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I didn't get as much as from seeing their progeny. Whereas, you know, you turn the racing on this afternoon and, you know, and you're always like, oh, Jesus, that's so-and-so's son. Yeah. You know, and it's it, it's brilliant. And when it's a filly who, like Beatrice Aurora, who... I remember thinking we're kind of tidy back in there. I think she won a, a listed race uh, as, as a three-year-old. And you, and you see their progeny come through and compete in the, in the same races now. I, I, I do enjoy it. It's a complete sidetrack, but it, it's something that's becoming more apparent to the game to me as, as I get older and it's something I'm, I, I am really enjoying. Uh, the two handicaps, Jim... What was your selection for that race? 
Uh, Lavender's Blue. <laughs> Are you taking a chance on Lavender's Blue? Do you get it? Owned no. by, by Benny Anderson, who was Abba. Take a chance on me. No, tedious link, right. It was very, Move it on was to the very, handicaps. Very tenu- it was very, very tenuous, that, mate. I could have said the winner takes it all. I could have been here all day. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can't. We won't run out of other puns, mate. We won't run out of other puns. But that that was one that went over my head. Uh, handicaps, pal. The Buckingham Palace and the Ascot Stakes. The Buckingham Palace did die. Now it's back. Uh, do you have up for this? Um, I did, but the price has gone. Um, okay, so... Tom Pearson tipped this horse up last week. Shout out to him, follow him on Twitter, he's solid. Um, he's ultra consistent. Nigel Tinkler um, has booked O'Shea Murphy for this. He was half half a length third uh, to Kate Byron. He was ahead to Raising Sand in the International. He's four pound higher, but he's got a good record at this track. Uh, he's had his reappearance, which he never normally runs well fresh. He'll have got him tuned up for this, Nigel. And hopefully, Kaso will run better. Eight to one still about. I'm currently doing the rain dance. And as I record to you at this moment in time, I know I live nowhere near Ascot. It is raining. So that is a positive. Um, there was a few in this that I thought were interesting. Well, that, Derek's obviously the standard setter. He, he could be a group horse in a handicap. He's been up £7 for his last win and won Causley. Um, he's, ob- he's obvious in this. Uh, I. <laughs> A bit of a cliff horse for me. He's Hey Jonesy and Firmament are in this. Um, <laughs> I think Hey Jonesy running over seven uh, is a big question mark. I think I prefer him over six now. I've come to this opinion. I always thought seven would, would be better. Firmament, uh, I'm well and truly off the cliff. Getting back to York over seven, please. Um, and Mutamasic, he was uh, four out of five. He, he rallied on well when Lucky beat last time and, and stepped up again he may he may need the run which is a question mark but I think this is an exciting race uh, and I'm glad to have it back to be fair but Queso will probably be the better 8-1 to one. I take your price now because I think it'll shorten the more the rain comes I see where you're coming from Jim and you mentioned both of mine Derek like you said is, is the one that could be the group horse in the handicap and you'd expect this to be if he's as good as the market thinks he is this is a stepping stone to better things with him. But in terms of the exposed, being there, done it type handicappers, I think Firmament's overpriced at 25 to 1. Bloody hell. <laughs> the F bomb nearly came out then. <laughs> I'm just, I, oh, Firmament. He was, he, he was fine on his return at, at Newcastle. It was a, it was a, quite a decent race to the level, that as well. Fifth position was third. He's already come out and won since. Uh, Firmament just just holds his form fairly well in these sort of races. He's ran well at Ascot before. He was sixth in the international last time. I do prefer him over seven than I do over a mile as well. So do I. Styles uh, booked as well. Yeah, and as as a win proposition, he's probably likely a winner than him. Do I think he's a reasonable price to be in the first six at twenty five to one? I think he's more than fair. Yeah, fair enough. Well, he, I, I see where you're coming from from the likes of Hey Jonesy as well, because he's on his best form, he's better than his current mark. But he was shy at the back end of last season. He was. He was running over seven again, and I think that I think six furlong 
would be more up his street. I do think he's got a fair bit of speed. Whereas, whereas Furman, even though he wasn't winning, was at least in the first half yeah. of a lot of his handicaps. And when it comes to uh, these sort of big handicaps, the, I, I, I guess the two angles I'd ever look for is, one, what's progressive, and that's Darick, and two, what horse is exposed but holding the form rather than regressing. And I think Firmament fits into that category. Uh, so he'd be he'd be the pick for me in the Buckingham Palace. Mhm. You think you with him? Imagine the scenes if Firmament wins at Royal Ascot and you're not with him. Uh, I'm gonna go K, so I'm gonna stick with him. I think he's form solid, soft ground, eight to one, solid each way value. I think there'll be five places on the day. Take it. Although not with the talk, there'll be three here, won't there? Because there's this super pull thing. And the final race, Jim, on the Tuesday is the champion bumper. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's the Ascot Stakes, uh, Verdana Blue, four to one Fav uh, for Nicky Henderson, nine to one Moon King, eleven to one Summer Moon, Land of Oz, twelve's Dubawi, fifty, and Diocletian, then fourteen's Blue Laureate, sixteen to one. Bar them, anything you like in this, Jim? You've got one at a big price here, don't you? I've got I've got two that I like. Um, I think Fair Mountain, uh, twenty-five to one for Dan Skelton. He's overpriced. He was German listed winner in 2013. Um, he was decent over hurdles. He was two out of four, including a and then a second in the listed hurdler market race in the summer plate day. Um, I, I feel like the handicap has not missed him off a mark of 97 but if he was good enough to win a German listed race he can't be that bad I know know German form I often crap Um, but I feel like James Doyle booked they mean business proper jockey on board I think he's got a serious chance at 25 to 1 I think he's slightly overpriced and the other one was Carl Top um, for Jamie Snowden was uh once rated 105 uh, on the flat for Rafe Beckett, now down to 95. He's been hurdling. He's done well over hurdles. He was running up in the 2016 Derby trial as well, if you, if I remember rightly. Um, Charles had it, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. Uh, he used to run in the red and blue, red with blue sleeves and a black cap, if I remember. I think I'm at Carn Top if he ran at York once, because I heard that he was there at the track and me and my granddad went mental and thought, oh, he must must win this. And then he didn't. It might have been the first race at York. I might have got him mixed up with another one. Um, he's never looked straight forward on the flat and he's not exactly been a winning machine. But this is a race that I feel like something unexpected could, could happen. As much as I like Verdana Blue, she's a grade one winner over hurdles. Uh, she runs well fresh. The better ground's the key. I'm probably going to look to take her on at 4-1. I'm not sure that the stiff two-mile three at Ascot's going to be right up her street, to be honest. Um, Moon King's likeable. Uh, he's progressed from 60 to 89. Um, he's lazy. He's a big, lazy horse. Um, and I, f- I feel like he's there to be shot at, although he is a backable price, I think, at 9-1. to one. And This is a fascinating race, in my opinion. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Moon King, Fair Mountain, and uh, Carn Top would be mine. But my, my one, my main selection probably might be Fair Mountain. Go on, we'll go 25. Dan Skelton. I agree with you about Moon King, mate. I think we might not have reached the bottom of him so far. Uh, 
the race he won at Haydock, was it? Yeah. Uh, last week. All, all of the first four from that rear post here, Blue Laureate, Rochester House and Mancini. Uh, if I was to look for one at a little bit of a bigger price, Jim, although, like I say, I agree what you said about Verdana Blue. She could be better than a 100 horse on the flat, given that her best hurdling form uh, probably comes when there's as least hurdling to do as possible. <laughs> really? Uh, it'd be Coeur de Leon, who's yeah. another one who has been hurdling fairly well last, last season as well. Not d- Didn't win out, but his form wasn't wasn't too bad. Probably wasn't quite at his best on the all-weather last time we saw him on the flat as well at Kempton in January. But before that, he's held his form pretty solidly, placed in the Northumberland plate, placed in the Marsh Cup behind with hold. He's down to a mark of uh, 91. He was placed in, you know, big handicaps last season off 93. He was fifth in this race last year. Four Hansen takes off uh, five. And he's, he's, again, like I'm saying, I'm just looking for a horse who I don't think he's regressing and is capable of this mark at this level and is a fair each-way price. And I think Coeur de Leon fits that bill very well. His last start over hurdles was that uh, good novice handicap at Kempton, back end of, uh, at the back end of the season, the R Power one, and that and that that was fairly reasonable form. I don't even think it was a novice handicap. To be fair, I just think it was one of the ones where there was a shit ton of novices in it because because it was coming to that that part of the season where they are all stepping into handicap company. But that that was a fairly reasonable run. And if he re- reproduces his best turf form from last season, uh, he'll be technically running off here. With 86, with with Hansen's five pound claim, uh, Hansen struck up a good rapport with him, won the Chester Plate last season, uh, and I think he's overpriced at 16. So that'll be where yeah. I'd be looking. Yeah, I like that. I think I think that might is it the first week that five pound claimers can be back this week. I think it's starting from Monday. I think five pound claimers can start riding again, um, and then the week after seven pound. I think that that might not be true, but. I think that off the top of my head, it might be his first week back. Yeah, there's if if that's true, mate, that, that's a really interesting stat because we've got the uh, that there are a couple of five pound claimers riding elsewhere on the card as well. Marco Gianni's got a mount in the Buckingham Palace. Yeah, I think it must be then. It has to be, doesn't it? It will be, yeah. As we move on to the Wednesday gym, the feature race here. Is the Prince of Wales and Stakes? He bet general 11, uh, 11 to 10, 10 to 11, sorry, Japan. 5 to 1, Headman. 6 is Barney Roy. 12 is Dave, Lord North, and Medai. And then 40 to 1, outside of Bangkok. Uh, again, Jim, I'm going to be boring, but I think this is pretty simple. Japan's forming this is just the best in the race. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I've just seen evens on odds checker for Japan. I think that's a cracking price. Um, he was the Judmont winner last year. He's genuine as it comes. He, he was third in the Derby. He won the King Edward last year. He, of course, he's got a solid chance. Um, he brings the best form in this. He was fourth in the arc. Um, and if he's continued this progression that he made from two to three into his four-year-old career, he's without doubt a chance. Because I can poke holes in, in the rest of the field behind him. Um, Headman... He progressed when winning the London Gold Cup. 
to win two Group Twos in France. Them, them Group Twos in France weren't that good. Um, he's been flattered by them. Uh, I don't think the ground's no problem to him, good to firm or soft or anything. But I do, I do personally think that his best performances have come with a bit of cut in the ground. Barney Roy, he won the St James's Palace as a three-year-old, and he was second in the 2000 Guineas. He was third in the Judmont as well that year. He was eighth in the Queen Anne last year. Two wins over in Dubai over a mile and one. Um, the one time he's been over a mile and two, which was in the Judmont, he was beat. Then that day, I remember I backed him. I proper fancied him. He did, I wasn't entirely sure. He's older now. He was, he, he was just touched off in an eclipse, wasn't he, Jim? Oh, yes. I've missed, how I missed that one. I, God, I used to love Barney Ryan. My brain's gone to pieces. Um, I, 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 I feel like he could run better in this, but I feel like there are a better quality of horse in Japan than him. He, he's probably best of the rest. And that's maybe being a bit harsh to a Dave because we've seen what he's done out there in Australia. I think I think Japan will win the race decisively because he will be ready. I'm, I'm 100% sure Aidan O'Brien knows what this is a race that he wants to be winning. He won't be fully tuned up for this because the main target the main target is obviously the arc, uh, but he he'll be winning this easy in my opinion uh, with Bar- Barney Rye somewhere in behind. Would, would, would that be the only doubt you could have about Japan? Would be that over the last two seasons, his worst run has both been first time out. He was yeah. only seventh in his maiden as a two-year-old. And he was third third in the Dante, was he? Fourth yeah. in the Dante, sorry. Actually opening the form of the horse. Uh, that would be the only stick you could beat him with. But I'd counter that by saying he's always looked like a slow maturing horse who would get better with age and therefore the fact that he was beaten early in his two-year-old and three-year-old campaign wouldn't worry me so much. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that, that, that was, that comes with his maturity rather than being it, it being a problem of him not being good fresh. Yeah. This is his time to mature and his four-year-old career. Hopefully you will show that. Uh, the only other I want to touch on slightly, Jim, because I brought him up briefly on the season preview and we didn't really get to touch more, uh, talk any more about him. Uh, what did you expect from Hedman this season? Um, I think he, he'll pick up a few group threes um, in England. I, I want to see him prove himself in England first. I, I know he won them two group twos in France and he, yes to the eye, he looked impressive. Um, but I'm not entirely sure what he's beat. Um, he's he's interesting because if he's progressed anymore, Roger Charlton, look what the progression he did with Al-Kazim. Um, I think he won the London Gold Cup and he went from strength to strength from there. Um, obviously, he's exciting, but I'm, I'm not enti- entirely bought with him yet. I want to see him do a proper performance in England. And I'm not saying that them French group two wins weren't, weren't proper performances. I want him to... I want him to if I, my opinion might change on him after this performance, because if he finishes a good second into Japan, then I'll respect him a bit more. That makes sense, then, mate. It's pretty simple for me. I think Japan wins this. And I think at the minute, he'd be the horse I'd be siding with for the arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I do I do hope we see a good performance from this. It's a fairly good group one as well, you know. Every single horse, even the 41 outside of Bangkok, you can probably say at least merits a crack at this level. You know, Bangkok's already a listed winner this season. So, I, I, I think it's a stronger group one than the Coronation Cup, mate. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and Lord North, you, you're a big fan of him. Jim Doyle's been booked to ride him. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I like Lord North. Work to do to beat Japan. Yeah, for sure. You know, but uh, nice to see him have a crack at Group One companies. Definitely, isn't it? You know, he was it was a it was an above average Group Three one last time. Uh, speaking of Group Threes, Jim the Hampton Court Stakes at one fifty. The Bet General five to two Juan El Carno, eleven to four First Receiver, seven to two Russian Emperor, six as Berlin Tango, sixteen to one Kenzai Warrior. Is that harsh? 16 to 1 mascot and then 28 to 1. Bar them. Uh, we both quite like Juan Elcano, Jim. Uh, step up in trip. Should it be a problem? Um, I'm not exactly blown away with the step up in trip. I think he, he's run over a mile, didn't show me or tell me that he needed it I in agree. the Guineas. Um, it could well and truly suit him but I, I'm not of the opinion that he needs it uh, his damazin makes a six furlong than the Marlon four horses uh, and his fifth in the guineas was good but there was that big track bias that day getting get in front and get to get to the lead and question marks about that yet um, he, he's a short enough price in my opinion I think five to two although he probably is, on his last performance was the best of these lot I, I still want to poke holes in that five to four. I want something around three to one for him. Uh, probably double his price at this moment in time. First receiver though uh, was impressive on his seasonal return. Uh, he had good two-year-old form behind Almada, who went and gone on the other, win the other day on his debut. Um, I certainly think up and trip will be better for him. He hit the line very, very strongly at Kempton, one by seven lengths. It absolutely destroyed the field. Um, and I feel like he's the progressive one in this that could be the, the kick-on horse. Uh, Russian Emperor, second in the Derenstown the other week, uh, previously winning in a maiden. I'm not fully blown with his head carriage. Um, he's not devote promise, but I, I just think he's a bit ungenuine. Um, I, I thought Shami Effenden struggled to get him in a proper drive towards the finish. He didn't want to put his head down and fight for it. Whether a bit of headgear will be put on put on him, I don't know. That may be of interest. Um, Berlin Tango won the Derby trial at Sea of uh, Class. Um, disappointed in. Um, and need to improve for his return to grass, but I won't, I won't properly put it out. And Kenzai Warrior, as you've said, I think is massively overpriced in this. Um, Horry's Hill winner, and he was slow away that day. And he was slow away... A- Again in the Guineas, as we saw, nearly unshipped Jason Watson and was never in the race, but he stayed on well. And uh, since his Horace Hill win, I, I've always had the opinion that a mile and two, mile and four will be more up his street. He stayed on strongly that day. I think he's massively overpriced in this um, at 16 to 1. I'd be with you on Kenzai Warrior, mate. I, I think you can put a line through his Guineas run. Things just, I say, he lost his chance at the start. And I, I liked him as a two year old. This, this would be the sort of level. I think I, I could see him striking. I, I don't think he's Group 1 class. Like like we said in our Guinness preview, even though we both liked him, we both thought 
he'd be successful at a little bit of a lower level. And I could see him going well here at a big price. Does Berlin Tango actually need to improve on his turf form? You know, yeah, fair he point. was within a length of Wichita in the uh, in that race at Donny last season. You it's know, the four-pound like, penalty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it is. But again, he's he's very solid and he's been there and he's done it. And I'd, I'd be keener at, to back him at sixes and I wouldn't be Russian Emperor. Yeah, so would I. I, I think Berlin Tango is more of a bat, uh, bet than Russian Emperor. I think he's purely in this because of his O'Brien um, price. Um, I just found him very ungenuine last time out. And he just needs to sort his head out. They'd be the two for me, mate. Kenzai Warrior at a bigger price, but I'd side with Berlin Tango here. Like like he said, I, I thought Juan Elcano looked like he wanted this trip at two. <laughs> I didn't get the same vibe from the Guineas. No, neither did I. And first receiver, even though he was impressive, is a short enough price for a horse that's only won a maiden. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I do like first receiver in this, but I, I think 11 to 4 is far too short. I'll probably end up... Kenzai Warrior, I've just seen gone 12s in places. Um, I think he's got... A, I, I think Kenzai Warrior is not ruled out of this. No, that's fair enough, mate. And the only other black type race on the Wednesday is the Windsor Castle Stakes. Uh, I had a bit of debate on Twitter earlier. I don't think this race adds anything to Royal Ascot, and if I were to get rid of one, it'd be this. Uh, Wesley Ward has a few over, pal, but the one I like here is Chief Little Hawk, who I think was the most impressive two-year-old I've seen this season. Son of Air Force Blue, absolutely bolted up last week at Navan, and I think he'll go in here for Aidan O'Brien. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's got a good chance he won this race, didn't he, in 2015 and 2019. So uh, he knows what sort of horse he needs to win this. Um, the two two that I like in this, tactical uh, for the Queen, ran very green, sure to improve. I've just got the impression that uh, O'Shea Murphy said uh, that he really, really liked tactical. Um, and I, I think that he didn't go through the gaps that day, but he'll learn from that experience and hopefully he'll find a bit more. And another horse I am a bit of a fan of, he's as time goes by for George Bowie. Um, he broke really well last time at Newmarket, over six. He blazed the trail on the far side um, and he was just caught late on by two nice Godolphin uh, Colts. I think back down to five, he's certainly got a chance. He knew his job fairly early on. He was just collared. Ben Curtis jumps back on again. Um, I think he could outrun his odds at 16 to 1. That's a fair shout there, Jim. Tactical third on his debut behind Eye of Heaven, who I'm sure we'll see later in the week. Uh, Mighty Gurkha as well is in this for Archie Watson, who absolutely bolted up at Lingfield on his debut by seven and a half lengths. That was quite a tin pot race, though, wasn't it? His form's but- a myth. His form's a myth. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd be keen on Chief Little Hawk, mate. If, if I was to say which two-year-old do I like most, all of the meeting, it'd be him. Yeah. The problem is um, there's two Wesley Ward horses here. We don't know. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? Uh, my notes for this race: Wesley Ward. Who knows? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if if we're gonna sum up the podcast, mate, in four words, it'd be that. Our whole approach to Royal Ascot two-year-olds. Wesley Ward, who knows? Uh, going on to the handicaps, mate. Shall we start with the real hunk-up? Yeah, might as well. 
considering it's someone that matters. Uh, Frankie Dettori's probably got his biggest mount back in Godolphin Blue here on Lord Tennyson, who heads a betting at eight to one. Uh, where are you going to land, pal? Um, I like Bell Rock in this. Um, he needed every bit of that mark last time out in New Market. He ran in the St James's Palace last year. They thought a lot of him. Uh, the race might set up for him in this. I think they'll go a fair clip. There's a nice big field. He can he can side his way through, uh, pick his pick his spot late on, and take home the prize. But I also like uh, Afark in this. Won this race last year off 103. He's now rated 106. Kieran Fallon uh, Jr. is claiming three on him. I think that's that's. Takes him back down to his the mark that he won this racing off last year. His form since his win hasn't been that good. However, put a line through that. Um, he's back on his, his handicap mark. I think he'll outrun his odds. Um, he's 16 to one in places. Uh, he's probably where else I'll play. Hopefully, Sheikh Hamdan's going to have a very good couple of days because <laughs> there's there's a lot of Sheikh Hamdan loving on there so far. There is, yeah. Second in this race in 2018 as well, the fact. So 2-1 his form so far in the Royal Hunt Cup. He's good on really well. Raising Sands here. So, obviously, he's got to be raising sand each way for an Ascot handicap because that's just paid me through the flat season the past two years. Uh, look, he's, like I say, he were third in it last season. Went on and won the international after them. He also was placed in the Victoria Cup. Uh, had a couple of cracks at, at group races as well. He was he was third in a group to uh, group three at Haydock after that, and all, and finished ninth in the QE2, plodding on slowly, overtaking beaten horses. But he's finished ahead of an Irish Guineas winner, a Queen Anne winner, and a, and a normal Guineas winner, and Ben Battle. <laughs> the one the figures is probably what the second best horse in the world or something like that, based off. What he did, you know, what he does at May Dan and what he did at Newmarket last season, you know. So really, raising sand should have, in comparison to Ben Battle, who is beaten here by, you know, a good twenty lengths, about thirty pounds in hand from the handicapper, and that's what I'm going to tell everyone. Raising sand is really a one three nine horse. Uh, <laughs> I hope he runs well. I absolutely love him. Uh, and he may not be a plus, won't it? Yeah, and I think he will. To take him on, I'm going for another Hamdam horse. It's a different one to you, though. It's the Grey Montafam. <laughs> who bolted up last week at Newmarket. It looked like a horse with so much potential. Probably a little bit slow to come to hand last season as a three-year-old. And he, he just looks like a horse who is on the way up, you know, Beaten by blown by wind at Musselburgh last time. Uh, sorry, at Musselburgh a couple of starts ago. Blown by wind's come out and won already at Newmarket as well this season. It, it was a, his, his form stacking up quite nicely, and I think off getting in towards the foot of the weights of 97, I'd expect him to continue progressing. So it's raising sand and Montafan for me. Yeah, solid choices. So Pierre Camden once again has a good day. Are we sticking with Sheikh Hamdam for the Silver Hunt Cup, mate? Uh, where <laughs> Uzo heads a betting at sevens, eights of the Hamdam horse, May Danny, and twelves bar them, pal. Where are you looking? Um, he's on the shortlist of two for this, May Danny. Uh, I was, he's beautifully bred son of attraction. He's now gelded. He was disappointing, I thought, as a two-year-old. 
Um, I, I wanted to see more of him, but he won well on handicap debut off a mark of 80. That was an absolute steal. Um, he's up £10 for that. He's still lightly raced. Um, he, he's form as a two-year-old on softer ground. The better ground, the better, I think, than for him. We saw that he, he ran well on, on quick ground. Uh, he's the one that could progress into bigger things in this. Um, I go from the complete opposite end of the Richter scale for an uh, unexposed horse to Zui Feng, uh, winner, winner of the Hunt Cup uh, previously, off a rating of 100. He's now down to 94. He had a good seasonal reappearance. Uh, I think good ground is key for him as well. Uh, I just think he's overpriced slightly at 25. Zui Feng, what an absolute legend of the game. And like you've said, good Royal Ascot form back in the day. He beat Marsha when he, he won his maiden. I didn't realise that. I'm just looking through his whole form. What what a tidal race that turned out to be. I can't quite give Zui Feng a chance, even though he was all right, to be fair, last time out at, at Newmarket. Well, I can, to be fair. I can now you see it. I see where you're coming from. He wasn't one that initially uh, smacked me in the face and said winner, but I could see why you'd why you'd like it from an each way point of view. I'm looking a little bit less exposed, Jim, and I'm going to go for Brian Epstein. Yeah. For Richard Hannon, who ran last week at Haydock, bumped into Cat Francais, who was ridiculously well handicapped back down in trip. Uh, still pulled. Brian Epstein was second. He pulled. Three and a quarter lengths away from B. Moore, who went off five that day, a winner at Newmarket on her last start at the back end of last season. So the forms, the form stacks up well. He's still fairly lightly raced. He won his last start last season at Musselboro. Uh, that was a fairly decent race. It was only class three as well, but Reeves, who's a horse I like, was beaten in behind that day and King of Tonga for Richard Fahey, who, who, won, a, who won since then. So it, the the form is reasonable, and I just don't think we've hit the bottom of this Brian Epstein yet. You know, he, he's one that I'd I'd have in mind as well if he was running in the Hunt Cup. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I I I think it'd be silly of me to desert him in the silver version. Bumped into a handicap block last time out, running off the same mark here. I think he's very fair. And as I was watching him last week, uh, my dad was in the same room, and my dad said. Why have they named the horse after the paedophile? <laughs> oh, he's a Bond villain, isn't he? No, he's, he's a Beatles record producer. Is my he? dad thought it was Jeffrey Epstein, though. <laughs> because, well, Chelsea Thoroughbreds, going off topic, uh, from what I know of them, they tend to name after Bond villains. Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey uh... Bogart was an actor, not a Bond villain. Was he not? Oh, Christ, we had yeah, a nightmare. Richie Valens. Yeah. Richie Valens was a singer. They name him after, like, singers and, and, and actors, not Bond villains. I've had a nightmare, eh? <laughs> Brian Epstein. Just that well-known Bond <laughs> villain. <laughs> oh, my days, mate. You've, you've done well there, yeah. Uh, they name him after Bond villains and then name two people who uh, weren't Bond villains. But of the other handicaps on the day, mate, the King George... The fifth stakes. Uh, Let me is, add him. It's the King George that everyone wants to win least. It's Kips and Winner, Clock Sevens, Eights as Bright Melody, Turner Faniel, Nines, Tens for Bodyline and Convict. Go on, Jim. He's finally running. 
Um, he's. I've talked about him for the past three weeks in a row when I'm thinking he's going to run. Uh, you all probably know by now how much I like him. Uh, I think his handicap mark is very generous off 96. He's going to win this, jump into group three action, go and win the St. Ledger. Easy as that. I think 10 to 1, he's stealing. He's nines, just gone nines in places. Um, Mark one booked. Haggis's horses are coming back to form. Uh, as much as I respect Kips in this, I think he's got a very, very good chance. Um, I think step up in trip, one furlong will be no problem for him. To Nathaniel was workmanlike last time out, but I'm not sure about the turnaround so quickly. But I, I think Convict, uh, coming here fresh, will... I think, I'm, I'm going to say, I think he'll take all the beating in this. I think he's got an outstanding chance. Mate, we are very much on the same wavelength here. I'm with you on Convict as part of the turf top 12, and if I was to take him on, it'd be with to Nathaniel, who I thought saw the race out at Kempton last week really well, despite not quite doing everything right, looking like a horse who wanted every inch of of uh, 12 furlongs, really, even though he was even though he was running over 10 and able to win over 10 last time out. He'd be the one I'd be looking at if I was to oppose Convict here. But it's a team effort, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I just think that, I think I saw 10 to 1 this morning and I was like, yippee, where do I start? So hopefully he's a solid each way bet for you people. Hopefully Born With Pride comes in for us on Wednesday. Convict yeah. does the business. Sorry on Tuesday, Convict does the business on Wednesday. Finally, Jim, the day's rounded off by one of the new races at Royal Ascot. It's the Copper Horse Handicap. Uh, four-year-olds plus a mile and six. Where are you looking here, pal? Um, I, I'm looking to see if uh, Collide on. Um, Fajira Prince, likely race six-year-old, he was third in the Duke of Edinburgh. Big and burly. I, I think he's got uh, a good chance in this, but he's, he's more obvious. And one at a price. Uh, here and now, Rafe Becky, like the race six year old. He broke a blood vessel in the Cesaro Witch and we've not seen him since. He won a York handicap by five lengths uh, very impressively that day. Uh, he has risks on, on reappearance because he broke that blood vessel. Where stable form is good and he's still seven pounds above that, that winning mark. I, I just feel like he was another angle I was looking to in this. He was he was 33s, but I think Fajira Prince has got a very good chance. I agree, mate. Of of the handicap favourites of the week, he'd be one I I wouldn't be looking to get beat. I think five to one's a very fair price. Good Royal Ascot form already. Went third in the Duke of Edinburgh last season behind Baghdad and Ben Vrake, who are both borderline listed quality animals, really, aren't they? Turns up here off 99, which is fair. Still lightly raced. He's five, but he's only had six career starts. So I completely see why he's a favourite and he wouldn't be one. I'd be complete. I'd be looking to get beat. Uh, at a price, Jim, twenty to one. Ediston Rock. Yeah, I, I looked at him. Won at the Shergar Cup last season. Won the Stayers Race hit, uh, at the Shergar Cup. Has form over over twelve furlongs. I do think that this sort of mid mid range or one mile six is probably where he's best at. Won at the York Ebor meeting as well. <laughs> Might be getting a little bit slower as he gets older. I might be, might actually be a little bit better at two miles now than he than he was how I felt previously at a mile six. But I still think he's a useful operator at this level. 
you know, considered him good enough to pitch him into to a good race at Chelmsford on his only start this season, which Mildenberger won, came home ahead of Red Verdon that day. Uh, was never going to beat Mildenberger all weekend. Or, you know, they're, they're probably group-class stayers. But it, it, it was tidy enough, showed that there's still a decent level of ability there. Uh, 98 is a very, very fair mark. And I think he's overpriced at 20 to 1 if I was to look for, like I said, one that, as opposed to the sexier, lightly raced for Jared Prince, I think Eddie Stonerock can compete over this trip off 98. Yeah, I, I agree. He was His name was written down on my list, but nothing wrote next to it. <laughs> nice one, mate. Some some tidy enough shouts in there. I quite like that. We're, we're both tending to land further down the market in these big handicaps. And that's making it interesting. That is making it interesting. On to the Thursday, mate, and we're recording this Sunday evening. So whilst we do have the final decks for Tuesday and Wednesday, we don't actually have final decks for Thursday. Uh, the big race there, though, is the Gold Cup. And uh, they bet 2-1 to one on Stradivarius. Out of 6 as Technician, 13-2 to two cross-counter. 12s Nayef Road, 16s Prince of Iron Moonlight Spirit, 33-1. to one. Bar them, uh, Jim, I know you put up Technician as a potential Group 1 stayer here, but surely he's got, he's got an absolute worldly task on to beat Stradivarius here, mate. Yeah, he's got a mountain to climb, hasn't he? Um, Stradivarius, I thought he ran quite well uh, last time behind Gay Arth at Newmarket. Um, he was just not quick enough, even though he, he is speedy. Um, he still beat uh, some of the other arses in behind. I, I, I feel like this is a weak, weak race that Stradivarius should just dominate, really. Um, I've cross-counter... Spent most of last season looking at Stradivarius's arse, and I'm presuming that he's going to do exactly the same again this season. Um, technician progressed last season. Step up in trip certainly suited over a mile, mile and seven. He's group one winner, and um, he's got to go up again in trip for this. But I won't, I won't properly rule him out of that yet. Um, I think, I think technician will probably be finishing there and thereabouts. DXB wants four miles. Nayef Road, I'm, I'm not 100% he'll stay the distance. Broom looks like a cup horse. Uh, and one that I think might run better than his price is Mekong. He's a horse I like. He's now with Jamie Osborne. Uh, I think he ran well out in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I, I think he, he he's disrespected at a price of 50s. I can see that. I like Mekong for the e-ball last season and his form with a... At the time, I liked his form with Falcon 8. Yes, yeah, um, but Falcon 8's not done particularly much since, has he? Might might have been a little bit flat. You, you'd give him a each way chance at a big price on on his running a long distance cup, though. Yeah, I can see that, and he has been beaten by a good horse in Call the Wind when he was out in Saudi Arabia. So I agree that from an each way perspective, there are daft the 50 to one shots of Mekong. Yeah. And it is beat cross counter in his fifties. If if you're looking, if you have bet three six five or whatever, uh, they have enhanced places. If you could get seven places, Mekong twenties, that's a solid bet. I, I certainly see him in more of the first half of the field than the second half. Jim, there's nine horses in it. Oh, sorry, I've still got the field in front of me that isn't properly declared. Huh. I've got three, six, nine, twelve. I've got fifteen horses in race. <laughs> No, 
there's some bet that I'm, I'm, two that's impressive. not coming in the bottom two. That's impressive. I'll, I'll have a bit of that. <laughs> I've had a nightmare so far. And speaking of breeding that I like, Ship's Biscuit was Mekong's dam. Used to love that filly. Uh, when I was first getting into racing, the other group race, Jim, on the Thursday, before I wrap up, we both think Stradivarius wins. You like Technician, but not for this. I like Technician. I just feel like he needs a bit cut underfoot for him to be competitive here. Although, a step up in trip, you never know. That might suit him as well. Would he be the one, if there was, if you were betting in a without Stradivarius market, who would you, who would you go for? I'd go Technician. Would you? Yeah, that's that's very very fair. That's fair. I'd I'd probably be with, without Stradivarius, I'd be looking for the sort of solid animal like Prince of Aaron. Yeah. You know who who isn't going to win, but is consistent and is useful enough at this level and will probably appreciate every yard of the trip. So that th- that might be where I'd be looking. But this again, it should be a watch and enjoy, it and we should it should make it three in a row. Yeah, hopefully, uh, um, and put his name down in history with the greats like Cigaro. Yes, what a legend. Uh, the Jersey Stakes, Jim, is the Group 3 at 2.25. The bet general here, 6-1 to one co-favourites, King Leonidas, Kin Ross and Malafem. 11-1 to one Celestan, uh, coming over from France. 12's Lopi Fernandez, Lord of the Lodge, final song. 14's Royal Livam. 16 Monarch of Egypt, Mystery Power and Repartee, uh, 20 to 1 bar them. Have you landed on anything here, Paul? You're making Rossi's running. Um, yeah, there's there's a handful in this that I like. I like Malafam, again, for Sheer Camdan. There seems to be a common occurrence. He was second to Mum's Tipple uh, on his debut, and then his Yacht Maiden was good. His listed win was good. He beat Wichita and Berlin Tango that day. That form's been franked. Uh, he was disappointing uh, at Newmarket. In the autumn stakes, put a line through that. The, the, I think I think the ground just went slightly against him that day. Uh, I, I know it, 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 that was his first experience on soft ground. That'll be the question mark here. I think he's got a very good chance. Kim Ross, I've been banging on about. Step down to seven's a question mark for me. Um, Wouldn't be what I'd be doing. No, it's not what I would be. It, maybe before the Guineas, it would have been more up his street. I would have thought. But his guineas run told me that he wanted a bit further. And a, a horse I mentioned the other week who was withdrawn uh, at Haydock uh, was Lord of the Lodge uh, for Carl Burke. Um, he was second in the gym crap behind threat, and then he was uh, won a Newcastle race grittily, uh, carry on grinding out in front. Um, I think the step up to seven will certainly be interesting for him. I've always been of the opinion he'd be better at seven. He ran at six all his season last year. Uh, he ran at Ascot. They thought he was good enough to run in the Coventry. Um, all of it, he was thrashed. Uh, but his win at Haydock, I, I was impressed with back in Navi Stakes. He didn't beat a lot, but he, he beat them impressively by, by five lengths. Uh, I think he's got a good chance on his gym crack form from here. Uh, I think eight to one could be slightly overpriced. And Royal Lytham, who I am a big fan of, ran eighth in the Guineas. Uh, he won the July stakes last season. I think he could probably outrun his odds if, if the uh, Guineas race hasn't taken its toll on him. I agree with you about Lord of the Lodge, mate. The Jim Crack was a above-average renewal last season. We see threatening the St. James's Palace later in the week, but, you know, that's produced a lot true. 
who should have won uh, the Pavilion Stakes. Dubai Station, who did win the Pavilion Stakes. Summer Stands came out and won the, uh, the big race at Red Car as well, who was down the field that day. So I could completely see where you're coming from, from Lord of the Lodge, and he backed that form up at Newcastle on the all-weather. He's a fair price at 12-1. to 1. Uh, I spoke on the podcast uh, before he won at Newmarket last week about how much I like King Leonidas. Yeah, he did. Interesting to see him here. Yeah. I thought he was a little bit more longer term. And even though he's a horse I hold in high regard, I'm not sure whether I think he's quite up to the level yet of the likes of Malatham, who was, you know, competing, you know, and winning races last season alongside the likes of Wichita. You know, in fact, did he beat Wichita at Donny? He did, didn't he? Yeah. And then he went on to run fairly well in the autumn stakes. He went off fav that day and, in fact, was probably slightly disappointing. But, look, you could, you, on his form prior to that, you'd, you'd definitely have him. Uh as probably the one to be King Ross I'd be looking for 10 furlongs rather than down to 7 uh, do you know much about the French horse Jim Celestan 4th in the Poulan no I, I didn't know an awful lot I thought he ran well in the Poulan um, he was slightly keen early on I thought and he, he settled well in if he settles better sorry here I think he'll have more of a chance I, I think the step down to 7 certainly won't be no issue he's won over a mile before on soft ground, so seven furlongs shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, where would you land on for the jersey then, pal? Uh, I think I might land on Lord of the Lodge. I, I think he's excited in this. I, I think my opinion will be based on what the ground will be riding that day. I think if Malatham gets uh, good or good to firm ground, I think he'll be probably where I land. But I think the more versatile and the more grittier type will be Lord of the Lodge. I could see that fully, mate. I can see that. I do think the quicker the better for Malatham, obviously, as proven by his, his better form on good to firm last season. I, do, I can't see it being much worse than good, though. No, neither can I. Not unless there's a severe downpour. So that would probably swing the race in his favour for me. Excited to see what King Leonidas can do, even though I'm not putting him up here. If, if, he's, as, if he's this good this early, he's even better than I thought he was. Yeah. And then I can bang on and pretend that I thought he was a world beater from day one, uh, rather than a horse who I kind of thought might be winning listed and group threes in September and October. Uh, but we hope we hope he runs well. I do anyway. As before we move on to the Wolverton Stakes, it was a class race last season. Interesting to see who actually lines up this year. Uh, Fox Tal seventy two fav. Sylvester de Sousa, a 9-2 Regal Reality, who's also jocked up. So Dragonet's here at 9-2. Uh, not jocked up, though, nor is Dubai Warrior, uh, the all-weather superstar for John Ghost. And then you're looking at Mountain Angel and Spotify 14s, 16-1, bar them. Don't think it's going to be as good a race as it was last season, Jim. Uh, still interesting, though. Regal Reality, mate. I'd have him fav over Foxtel. Would you? Yeah, I would. Uh, he, he ran well in the Judman, didn't he? He was fifth behind Japan, as, as we've mentioned that form previously. And he was fourth behind Alarcam in the Skybet Stakes. Um, he's solid enough, isn't he? Um, he won the he, bigger than his year, I've lost he won, Yeah, 
that's that was my next point. Um, he's he's a bit of a he can, he can lose his race before the start. Uh, he's a bit fractious always in Pereira, and I think he's always last to be saddled up, uh, and he's last to go down, and he's he, everything has to be perfect for him. He's he's not the most straightforward. Uh, getting down to the start and getting him settled and getting everything all right. That's my only question mark with him. Although what will help is the fact that there's no crowd there and there's no one to try and team up. Um, that that will probably be in his favour. Fox Tal I think deserves to be favourite. Um, third and fourth in the San Clu- uh, Grand Criterion de San Clue and the Champion Stakes. Uh, a stiff finish will certainly help uh, help him here. He's been running over um, the same distance. I, I, don't, I don't think that'll be a problem. I think I think he's a fair enough price, Fox style three to one. To be fair, um, I like something at a bigger price in this, and and I wouldn't be surprised if it flopped, and I wouldn't be surprised even if he didn't turn up. And I probably can't say his name, but Dal Horizigal, Horizigal, Dal Horizigal, yeah, the Haggersauce, uh, yeah. Um, you're a handicap. Uh, Winner two starts ago at Haydock, um, over a mile and two. He then stepped up to further trips. He's bred to stay a bit further, but uh, he, he did step up in class uh, into the Garden Stakes and into the March Stakes at Goodwood. Um, I'm not entirely sure that them tracks suiting him. He's quite a big unit of a horse. Um, I feel like the bends of Goodwood weren't necessarily into his favour in the undulations. Um, he's a horse I quite like. I think I think the better the ground, the better a run. Um, I, I think the jock back should be no worry. The family do better with age. I, th- I think that 25 to 1 is a fair enough price. It's not a race that I exactly am getting excited about. So I thought I'd have a punt at a bigger price and I, I landed on him. He's also in the uh, Duke of Edinburgh, the, the handicap over, over 12 on Friday. That wouldn't surprise me if he went there either. No, that, that to me, that would look more suitable. Yeah. I I disagree with you about Foxtel, like I said, because I think he's five off the back of one run, which was his fourth on bad ground in the champion stakes. And I'm not particularly sure how much I trust that, even though he was ahead of regal reality. I'm looking at the horses he's finished ahead of, and I'm not I'm not particularly sure how much I rate a beating of the likes of Coronet and I can fly. You know. And that that that's his only run that merits him to be favourite. I know you said it was for it was third in the criterium de Saint Clou. It was shite. It was a shite two year old group one. He's been beat by Wonderman and Sydney Opera House. You know what I mean, mate? I, I, I don't think that that's worthwhile form, even at open-listed level. And he clearly wasn't particularly highly thought of even going in as a, you know, as a three-year-old. He, he won his Donny handicap at 16-1. to 1. You know what I mean? Sorry, yeah. sorry, it wasn't a handicap, it was a conditions race. But still, he's gone into, off being back of, you know, off being, finishing third of a grade one, he's then gone off 16s in a five-runner condition race. Yeah. And he's five cost to his fourth in the champion stakes, and I'm just not sure how much I buy that because there were some strange results on Champions Day last year. The ground was really bad. He was going there a much fresher horse than a lot of them. And even though Regal Reality is a complete loon and 
like you've said, he can lose his race before he's even started it. The pick of his form, I'd say, makes him the one to beat here. At a bigger price, I've talked earlier on the podcast as well about how much I liked Aloe Vera last season. The Rafe Beckett filly, and she's jocked up here with Harry Bentley on board. Uh, again, surely they could have found some fillies races for her. Something like the Pinnacle last weekend. Yeah. yeah. I'd, have, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have loved to have seen her in. Fair play to him for having a crack at the boys here. And like, the, like he said, the height of fashion stakes was a good renewal last season. It produced fillies who held the form at listed level and group three level later on in the season rather than, you know, especially the, these early season fillies trials races can often, you know, can often produce one all right horse and then the all the rest are rated, you know, 80 and running in class falls by the end of the year. Last, last season... Uh, the height of fashion was a better race than that. So I hope she runs well, even though I'm not sure whether. Well, she, I, I don't think she's not a backable price at 16s, mate. Yeah, I, I, she... yeah. I think she's a fair enough price. She's a sort that sort that could progress into winning Phillies group races later in the season. Yeah, and and why is the Dragon here running this? My my notes for this: good winner of the Vars, fifth in the Derby, slow boat, no chance over this trip. He's a shorter price uh, to win the Hardwick. Yeah, so well, he's, jock- he's jocked up to to be running this though. That was my only reason, Ryan Mars. But oh, uh, is he jocked? He's he's not on. He's not where I'm looking. So that's interesting that they come here with him. But yeah, I really liked the Dragonet after he won it at Chester last season as well. It's really, really disappointed me. I, I thought it would be a proper star. Uh, it's regal reality for me, though, here, tentatively with Aloe Vera at a bigger price. Uh, and Dal, who is school for you? Yeah, even though he might not turn up, it's not a race that exactly excites me. Um, I'll probably wait till the day and see what happens. Who would you go for without Dal Harisco if he's decked for the uh, Duke of Edinburgh? I'd probably be boring, pick Fox Tal. Fair enough, pal. I see where you're coming from. We move to the Cheshire Stakes over seven furlongs for the two-year-old Modern News 4215. Uh, Will Buick jocked up. Five's Battleground, the son of founder Magical Land. Six is Bright Devil. Eight Snowfall. Ten to one bar then. Uh, we're talking about another two-year-old race, Jim. Who's your pick? Um, I mentioned him briefly as we were wrapping up the other day on a podcast. Concessions, Richard Hannon. Uh, he was very professional on debut for Ryan Moore. Uh, he travelled very well. It was only a three-runner race, but I thought he won it well. I think the two in behind are, are nice prospects. Uh, hands and heels, learned his job, took him round. Um, I, I think he's a horse I quite like for this season. Uh, I think it cost 140000 so he wasn't cheap. I, I, I think he, he's interested in this. Um, Modern News was a good winner. Uh, I think... He's he's obvious in this, isn't he? Um, and first profit who won the other day for Charlie Fellows. Charlie Fellows very rarely has a two-year-old winner. When he has one, I perk up. Uh, he won well in the end. It's going to be a sharp turnaround to get him ready, and whether he will uh, is a different question. Uh, but I, I think I'm probably going to go concessions. I was impressed with his. Um, I was impressed with his debut performance. Oh, the smile on my face as Jim repeatedly calls the Muhara filly a he. 
God's, I've done it again. Every stick you give me for every favourite I put up, I'm going to take up any opportunity to rinse you. You haven't picked that many favourites, to be fair, so far. I'll, I'll genuinely, I'll let you off this episode. You have the only, I'll accept you tipping up Batash and Stradivarius because they are probably going to win. But elsewhere in the handicaps, you've not tipped that many favourites. I've not been that boring this week, have I? But I'd, I'd be landing on Bright Devil for this. Uh, the Andrew Baldwin caught, like we've said, in absolutely flying form. Machine Murphy's jocked up. Uh, a son of Dark Angel won a maiden that I thought that looked fairly strong on paper at Newmarket uh, the Thursday before Guinea's Day. Did it really tidily as well, was going away at the finish. He wasn't fancied 25 to 1 that day, beating Magical Land, who's in this, and St. Lawrence, who was fourth, who's in this again. The fact that horses who were beaten in that maiden are having a crack at the Chesham suggests to me that. You know, their yards think that they're fairly reasonable animals. And Bright Devil, I wouldn't say put them in the place, but he was the worthy winner on the day. You yeah. know, you can't make an excuse for anything in behind. He was just the best horse on that day. And therefore, I'm happy enough to have a crack at him at 6-1, to one, especially when the horse he beat, fair and square really on debut, is short. Yeah, um, I, they're absolute puzzles, these races, aren't they? Um, I, I remember... You you were quite strong on Bright Devil after his after his win and I, I probably I think six to one's a decent price about him. Yeah, the Favji modern news as well. I, I don't want to gloss over him because like like you said, you liked as times goes by who he beat on debut. Godolphin stuck a load in that race as well, which normally to me suggests that they tend to be fairly tidy enough maidens when Especially when the Godolphin horse has come to the fore and he beat his stable companion, their noble dynasty, who went off shorter, uh, the Shamadal Colt. I could see, I could see him. I mean, I don't, I don't really, I kind of waffling here, but he's a right fav, and I didn't yeah. want to not mention him. Yeah, he certainly is, but it's, it's these two who are. Who knows what's going to come out second time out and bolt up or even improve the performance. Uh, you mentioned concessions as well, and that she won quite a nice free runner race last week. The third from that race here, Seattle Rockies 40s to win this, but don't let the fact that uh, she was third of three uh, put you off her in general. I felt all three runners in that race actually emerged with quite a lot of credit. You know, they all looked like two-year-olds worth following, even though it was only a free runner race. You know what I mean? If, if you yeah. look on paper and you went third of three, you think, oh, a bit shy. Seattle Rock wasn't. She ran well. And the two fields who came ahead of her were probably fairly smart as well. But I'd, I'd be siding with Bright Devil here. Yeah, and um, with concessions. Do we think there's a pin of two ball? No. no. Who knows, in fact? Who actually, because these two-year-old races could be anything, couldn't they? It could be. That's fair to say, especially with it being such a compressed season that they've had to come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've had to come out and they've had to almost show the hand a little bit more than normal to to be getting in because you know because they have to have almost first been put on the list by the trainer and then preference to get into the races maybe not so with the Chesham because it's at seven it's a little bit more of a specialist race 
But the likes of your Windsor Castles and your, Co- and your Coventries and your Norfolks, you know, horses who've won a race are getting preference. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how many actually want to run that art allowed. To be fair, I can't imagine it being too many. I can't imagine they'll be ridiculously oversubscribed. But it is interesting. There's there's a lot less to go on, and that means you can make cases for things at bigger prices a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, as we move on to the opening race of the Thursday, it's another new one. It's a Golden Gates handicap uh, for three-year-olds, class two, over 10 furlongs. It's the London Gold Cup, but it's at Ascot instead of Sandown. Uh, where have you landed on here, pal? Um, I'm betting for it. Um, I've got some betting up for it, if you want me to reel that off. Acquitted his eights with Enemy and Finest Sound also at them. Prices Global Storm at 11s. Bright Melody at 12s with Hypothetical. Dubai Mirage at 14s with Triton, if I can't even say it. Um, and 16 to 1 by the field. There's a, there's a fair whack in this. Um, I, I like the chances of Acquitted. Uh, that second behind Palace Pier at Newmarket, uh, Newcastle last time out was was good enough. I thought he'd gone to win the race. Um, that, that, he's, he's had two wins out of his four starts. I think 93 is a fair enough mark for him in this. Um, he's also entered in the Britannia. However, he's jocked up in this with Ryan Moore. Uh, I think he's got a very, very good chance at 8-1. to one. I think he's rock solid. And the horse that I couldn't say the name of, Tritonic, uh, four starts, two wins, and the conditions winner. Beat some nice horses that day. He was fifth in the Zetland. He was a big, gangly two-year-old, and he was bought to be juvenile hurdling uh, by the owners. I think the McNeil family have somewhat in him, although they don't run in the typical McNeil family colours. Um, he's big and gangly, and if he's filled into that frame, uh, hopefully he can do a bit better here. Oh, she Murphy's book for the ride. Um, which is no negative. Um, he runs in the McNeil family and Ian Dale. Um, I think he's slightly overpriced at 14 to 1. I thought he's he's running group style races last season and back into a handicap here off, uh, off a mark of 95, I also think's fair. Um, I th- the one horse that I don't really like in this is Enemy. Um, he won well on debut. He was then second the other day uh, at Yarmouth over seven. That day didn't scream out to me that he he wants to, a step up in trip to a mile and two. Um, did he bump it as well that day? I, th- I think he did. He should have won really, and I was quite disappointed because I was impressed by his debut win. Um, and I'm not entirely sure a mile and two will be up his street. Um, that's the one negative I've got out of this face. I really don't fancy him to run this. He's also entered in the Britannia. Um, which I think would be more up his street. Um, it, it's an interesting race. You, you could make a case for few, but I, I've landed on uh, Acquitted and Tritonic. Tritonic there, representing the rock-solid Miss Yoda form line. As well, I, mean, Jim I, was, I was waiting. I was waiting. I was hoping you weren't going to mention it, um, and sadly you did. But even, Tritonic did run in a group three, so... I, I think that his conditions race was good as well, where he beat Acquitted. Um, whether there was the uh, three pound, uh, two pound difference that day. Um, what's the difference in this between Acquitted, uh, Nine Stone? There's a pound difference. 
Um, I, I think at the prices that he should be slightly shorter, Tritonic. I see what you mean, mate. He, and he's on my shortlist. He's about third or fourth down on it. So even though I take the piss there, I do agree with you, actually. Uh, my two here, mate, would be... I know you mentioned Paul Cole earlier in the episode, and I like his Highland Chief here. Yeah. Jocked up with Ross Ryan, who's had a really good start to the season on board. Uh, was third in the Chesham Stakes last season behind Pinatubo and Lopi Fernandez after winning over five furlongs on debut. You wouldn't really have expected him on pedigree to have the speed either to be a five furlong winner. It was really, really early, back right at the start of April. He came out and won, but his, his pedigree suggests he'd be better over further. And then he was he was down the field in the Royal Lodge. But I'd be willing to forgive him that. On stepped up in trip, uh, if he returns to anything like his Chesham form, you know, where, he's, where he beat, I know, the year of the Tiger, who we sadly lost this week, you know, was in behind. The form stacks up fairly well. His debut win was, was reasonable. He beat separate that day, who, again was placed in group races later in the season. I'd be hoping he might be the sort of horse who could strike in in a decent three-year-old handicap. Uh, and he is jocked up with Ross Ryan on board, so hopefully he does turn up here. 20 to 1, Lewis. 20. I, I've just heard Lewis make a case for a 20 to 1 shot. I feel ill. Wow. And it's a strong case. Well, it was, it was a shorter price for the... Royal Lodge and the likes of Royal Dornock. Yeah, he was. And the year of the Tiger. You know, he come home... I think he was one of the first of Glen Eagles to win as well. I think he might have even been the first. Yes, that could be a very, very fair shout, mate. I think he could be right with that. In the UK? I'd, I'd, I'd just be willing to... Look, it might have just been that he was ridiculously forward and that the Royal Lodge was a reflection you know, a reflection of actually this is just how good he was and he was just very, very sharp and that's how he was able to win over five, you know. But at 20 to 1, his form prior to that would make him of interest. Yeah, understandable. And my other one would be uh, the Godolphin horse, Bright Melody. For Charlie Appleby, who won at Kempton, sorry, at Chelmsford uh, in January. On his debut, beat to Nathaniel there, who I've already mentioned, who's a horse I like uh, for another race at Royal Ascot. This, so I can't remember what it's called, mate. But I, I like to Nathaniel anyway. The Duke, the King George the Fifth. Is it? <laughs> there's there's okay. too many names of races, man. Brain's gone to pieces. Yeah, he beat him on debut anyway at Chelmsford, and then was third in the Classic Trial last time out. Like I said, I've. I think the classic trail is going to be a race that everyone looks at immediately and thinks that's shite. <laughs> and it's but, not. But I don't think it is as bad as people make out for it to be. Do you have a price for him? Uh, for Bright Melody? Yeah. 12s. Reasonable. He's on the drift. Drift. He's a sea of red. Good. <laughs> that's no worry for me, mate. Rumors uh, got round you fancied him. That's horrible, but no, I, I, I think he ran fairly well at Kempton. Not, you know, it wasn't the sort of thing that you, you know, you put your eyes up and goes, that wins next time out. But back into handicap company, 
well, first time in handicap company, easier waters than, than the group race you were placed in last season, uh, last time out. And the form of his novice win stacks up fairly nicely. Out of a group one winning filly in Lyric of Light, is uh, a son of Dubawi, could be more to come, got the benefit of a recent run. I can see him going well. Yeah, fair, fair point. I, I prefer your other one out of that. Paul Coles, as you mentioned, Ross Ryan's had a flying start. Uh, he's had seven wins out of his 44 rides, going at a 16% strike rate. And they've been on some nice horses. Um, and he's been unlucky seconds. He rode Bungie Jump the other day, who's ran a cracker today in the listed race. He rode a nice two-year-old in Val Policello. Um, he's, he's seriously developing to a proper, proper jockey. Uh, and I, I think the sky's the limit for Ross Ryan at the minute. Yeah, really, really big fans of Ross Ryan. we both are. Uh, as we move on to the Britannia, it's another handicap for three-year-olds, this time over a mile. This race really exists. It's not one that leaves magic from nowhere this season. Uh, and Quitter does head the bet in here, General. Eight to one, joint five with finely sound tens for Starcat and Johan, an enemy who surely would be likely to turn up here. Yeah, that, that'd be logical, wouldn't it? 12's Verboten. Path of Thunder, 14's Cherokee Trail, Calusa, and 16's Bar then. Anything in this, pal? Um, I've mentioned Starcat before on the podcast for the Guineas. Um, he was impressive on debut, and he, he did um, Hugh, Huey Morrison proud in the Guineas, finishing seventh. Um, I think a mile's no problem for him. I think his sight's lowered a bit more here. This is more up his street. And a horse I quite like who's probably slightly gone under the radar. He's 25 to 1 for this race. He's Toro Strike. Uh, he caught the eye on, on his maiden win when fin- uh, on his maiden run uh, at Newbury when finishing fifth. Uh, he then went on to win next time at Thirsk. And he, he was twice third in competitive two year old handicaps. And I feel like there's a little bit more to come for him this season. Uh, he, he ran with credit in all of his starts. You, you could say second behind Hurstwood was slightly disappointed um, in that three-runner race, but I'd take three-runner races with a pinch of salt. Um, I think he's been given a nice mark of 94 here. He's got the same as Starcat, um, and he's not got a jockey at the minute, but whether he turns up is a different question. I would have been a bit sweet on him if he'd had a prep, uh, but I think 25 to 1 is a fair price about him. He was a horse that I quite liked last season, uh, son of Toronado, um, and he, he's third at Goodwood behind Governor of Punjab and saw Beach wasn't that bad. And he's third at Donny behind Kingsland and Repetiro was all right. And Manny Gordo was back in fourth who went and won the other day comfortably in a, in a maiden race. He was rated 95 now, I think. Um, so I, I, I think I think there's a bit of juice in Tora, Tora Strike's price. But I also like Starcat in this, who's rock solid. And if he's come out of the Guineas well, hopefully he'll be competitive as well. Yeah, I see that, mate. I'd be interested to see whether they turn him out so quickly for this half, you know, having only had his second run of his career in the Guinness. But, look, he could potentially be beautifully handicapped. Yeah, he could. It's a generous mark, isn't it? Very generous. Very generous. And I'm almost surprised to actually see him in this. If you know what I mean. It's, yeah. it's the sort of thing where I'd be thinking... I'd have taken that run and be looking at targets further down the line. But look, they've given him a gift of a mark. Yeah. If he backs his guineas run up, 
it's an absolute gift. He's obvious. You know, you, you liked Starcat since his debut, and I was converted into a fan with what he did at Newmarket. So we'd both be behind him if he's decked. He does, he's not actually jocked up as of now. He has. He's got PJ on for me. Oh, does he? Oh, fair enough then. Happy days, Starcat. We like him. Uh, I like Verboten, who I thought ran better than the actual bear results suggest uh, in that race at Lingfield. Yeah. Tidy enough three-year-old race considered good enough to run in the Thirteen uh, Futurity last season. Back on turf for the first time since he won at Yarmouth on debut. I'd give him another chance. I think he could be ahead of his mark. He was well supported last time out at Lingfield and probably was just got going a little bit too late, caught out wide. Went, went wide, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, the, ra- the race didn't seem... The race didn't pan out to best effect for him. Yeah. And the other one I had written down was... I can't remember. <laughs> That's always a positive. Finest sound? No, it wasn't. It was some. It was some. A bit more of a price. Uh, it was Ziggle Pops actually, the, the winner of that race. Was it? Yeah. Just sometimes, mate. We don't give horses enough credit for actually winning races. Yeah. And he's twenty to one here after winning, like we said, quite a a competitive three-year-old handicap. Fairly nicely. I was looking like he'd be better over a mile than seven. It was a brilliant ride by Sean Levy, who's on board again. Uh, look, his, his, his two-year-old form isn't great. He went off 22 to one to win at Lingfield last time, and he's up in them. He's up in them, up in the weights. He was midfield though in that big selling race at Donny. The, the Torres strike finished third. Yeah, and like you said, repartee had, had ran well in the gym crap before that. Smart folks, the XA No Brian Hong Kong horse as well, ran in that. And that's the reason I wanted to bring this up, is because we found out who he was. He was King Neptune. King Neptune. For Aidan O'Brien. But uh, look, it's, it's 20 to 1. It's not a it's not a a bold selection, really. It's just kind of I could, when looking through, I kind of thought. That that horse probably deserves a little bit more credit for actually going and winning the race. You know, we 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 see it all the time. Unlucky losers can sometimes be overbet. Well, not not sometimes, are often overbet, and the market spots them. You know, all the time, and actually, horses who go and get the job done are sometimes slightly underrated by the market because you can get horses who are consistently unlucky losers because they put themselves into shite positions yeah fleeting uh you know what i mean and and i just kind of felt ziggle pops yeah i'd expect the v- v- uh, v- to return the tables on this time but he shouldn't be 20 to 1 yeah fair enough and to round off this absolutely monster podcast, it is going to be the Sandringham Stakes. James, who do you fancy here for the Phillies? African Dream, the 5-2 to two Fav. Um, I like African Dream. However, it's a fairly quick turnaround from only running on uh, three days ago. Um, I like Sofika in this. Ponty winner, very green that day for Michael Stout. And then we're second in the group three. 
Um, very progressive. Typical Sir Michael Stark will bring her through a three-year-old career nicely. Uh, very lightly raced. I think she's got a chance at sevens. Uh, the one I don't really like in this is Dubai Love. Um, UAE, UAE 1000 Guineas winner. She's got a high mark back on turf. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, this would be a bag. And Wedgedan is a horse I quite like. Fifth in the Lava, good debut win. Um, led last time out and looked out paced over seven. I think the step up to a mile will certainly suit. Quite bullish uh, looking horse, if I remember rightly, from, from the Lava. Um, I, I think if Wedgedan's filled a bit of his frame, I think he's got a decent chance at 16s. But uh, Sofika is my main selection for this. Yeah, because I liked Moedan last season uh, when she won on a debut. I, f- I fancied her for the Lauver as well. Uh, just not sure how much how much room for improvement there is with her really, because she didn't she didn't progress from a debut win. You know, her, her runs in her run in the Lauver was all right, and if not if anything, she was worse in a worse race in in the also sharp. The Lauver was better than the also sharp, and Moedan was actually worse in that race over further. So I'm not particularly sure about that. Uh, I don't mind declared interest. The Rafe Beckett filly, uh, already a winner this season at Kempton on a handicap debut. Look, that was off 77. It's not not the strongest of, of races. But for the level, she's been beaten there by... Uh, she's beaten Rideson, who is a strange name for a filly. But has been placed on every single one of her starts, second five times and third once. Uh, so you know that that is as much of a yardstick as she can get. She actually beat Dubai Love as well in a novice stakes at Kempton back in November. So I'd, I'd be with declared interest, especially uh, she's getting a fair chunk of weight there uh, from Dubai Love. So yeah, it'd probably just about be. Declared interest for me in the big Phillies handicap to round off the Thursday. Uh, Jim, are we going to do a, a first three-day nap, or do we want to do we want to uh, compete against each other and put our picks up every day? Should we put our picks up every day? Um, yeah, horse by horse for the race, race by race. Sorry, not horse by horse. Jesus Christ! Imagine trying to write a horse by horse guide to Royal Ascot. <laughs> <laughs> won't believe in the won't believe in the house till September. Uh, but yeah that wraps up our first three days of Royal Ascot preview I need a brew Uh, we'll be doing Friday and Saturday on Wednesday evening yeah sounds good to me whenever and hopefully we'll be finding you a couple of winners this week uh, thanks a lot to everyone who's tuned in. Hopefully, some of the darts land. There's some big price ones there as well, which, especially from me, you don't wait too often. So I hope we land on summer, and I hope it, we all enjoy uh, the biggest week of the flat racing year. Thanks for listening. Yep. See you later. Don't forget to lump on convict. Ha! Up the convicts in a bit. <laughs> <laughs>